0: Hello and welcome to PDA Neurodivergence and the Perpetually Determined Advocate. I am your Perpetually Determined Advocate, Cassandra. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to raising awareness and acceptance of PDA, or Pathological Demand Avoidance, which is a lesser-known part of the autism spectrum. My hope for this podcast is to provide a place of learning and growth, as well as a platform for PDAers, professionals, parents, family members, and others to speak out on this condition, as well as providing resources for those who want to learn more. If you or someone you know would like to come on and use this platform to tell their story, please contact me at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Now, let's launch into this episode's topic. Hi, everyone. So, As you know, sometimes we do informative episodes, and sometimes we do relatable episodes. (laughs) This one, I feel like is going to be maybe a little bit of both. Um, To all of you out there whose children attend school and are now out on summer vacation, I see you. (laughs) Um, My kids have been out for about two weeks now, and it has definitely had its moments. And I feel like the first part of summer is probably a bit problematic for autistic kiddos that have difficulties with transitioning, like my son does, right? And add to that the fact that he isn't getting as much of an outlet for his ADHD, like having the opportunity and in PE and recess and things like that to get that energy out. And you have a of a recipe for disaster right now we live in southern texas right near the gulf and that means that the heat can get pretty unbearable in fact right now daily we have temperatures in the 90s fahrenheit so basically somewhere in the 30s celsius right Recording this episode at 9 in the morning, it is currently 85 degrees outside. Again, Fahrenheit, so adjust. But um, plus, the humidity (laughs) makes the air practically drinkable because we are near the coast. Um, So it is just, it feels that much worse. You walk outside and literally within a matter of minutes, you are sweating because of the heat and humidity combined. Um, so going outside to run some of the his energy off isn't always an option because Declan hates to get hot and sweaty. And it's not just that he doesn't want to be uncomfortable. For him, that's a sensory issue, right? He just... it It bothers him on a sensory level. And... The only way that he can tolerate being out in the heat for extended periods of time is when we go to, like, the spray parks where they just have, you know, a bunch of little uh, sprinkler-type activities or, you know, at larger water parks, you know, but that isn't really feasible as a daily activity for him to run energy off um, while the spray parks... Are you know, set up by the cities, and so they don't really cost anything. Water parks do. Um, plus, there's the fact that, you know, you'd have to drive to and from both of those places, and um, that kind of takes time out. You can't really have that time available every day, because some days you have other things that you have to do. And though I have seriously considered uh, creating some sort of home setup with, you know, sprinklers and a small inflatable pool and whatnot, again, as a daily activity, that would be both a tremendous waste of water, and it would also send my water bill through the roof where my electric bill already currently resides. So I'm at a bit of an impasse, right? Trying to decide how to get the energy expended without being in the heat for long periods of time and without emptying my bank account, right? And so what do we do? How are we gonna fill the hours? Because him getting bored you know a lot of people are like oh well whatever if kids get bored you just t- tend them you know to find something to do the issue there is that i have a kid with pda right i have a pda and so you can't just say go find something to do because a that's a demand um and b that's entirely vague right um with all of the things that he's got going on there the pda the autism and the adhd you can't just say go find something to do that's too ambiguous right he needs more concrete direction but direction in a way that doesn't come out as a demand and so it's just like okay we've got to figure out a way to make this work for everybody because if he doesn't have something to do he's going to try to go to everyone in the house and get them to entertain him right um whether it's me whenever I'm trying to do housework or, um, you know, whenever I'm working on my crochet things that I make for my craft market or um, stuff for work or, you know, one of the other two kids, which they also have, you know, they're on summer break as well, my oldest from college and then um, my 16-year-old, uh, from high school. So they have their own things that they're wanting to do. They're filling their time with what they like. My, my 16-year-old is actually um, working on art commissions um, now that he has more time to do that and his webcomics. So He's got the things he's doing. My oldest has the things that he does, right? And so Declan is going around trying to get people to entertain him and it's people who are currently in, you know, engaged in something. I will usually be able to make time but if it's something that has to get done then you know especially things for work then I can't always stop. The other issue that we face is that while he loves to play video games like most kids do I have to try and find a way to limit the amount of time that he plays for a few reasons. The first one fairly obviously, is that I don't want him just sitting about playing video games all day and being complacent. You know, um, one of the difficult um, side effects of the medication that he's on is that it causes him to put on weight, right? Right. And while putting on some weight is fine, I don't want him to get to a point where he's unhealthy. I don't have a problem with him being thicker. I really like weight and body image. That's not a huge issue for me. Health is because my family is extremely um, inclined toward genetically It's very easy for us to start uh, putting on weight and getting larger, um, which is a problem when it gets to the unhealthy stage, right? Because in that same genetic pool are high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, a massive array of heart problems. So I don't want him to get to a point at a young age where he has gained an unhealthy amount of weight because he sits around and plays video games all day and has put his heart or his health in danger. So I try to limit for that reason. But the other one is that he has trouble with emotional dysregulation. And so when he encounters a level on a video game that he can't seem to complete, right? He's trying to beat this boss and he can't or he's trying to finish this level, but he can't find the key um, or whatever it is, right? He goes straight to rage, right? He doesn't have as, you know, is common for kids with his collection of um, diagnoses. He doesn't have that progressive range going from, um, you know, even keel, to kind of irritated, to mad, to angry, to rage. Like, he goes straight to rage. um, And he starts screaming and banging on the controller. Um, Any attempts by me to try to help him calm down, take a few breaths, are met with the same screaming rage, right? He doesn't even... the second that I try to start talking to him in a calmer voice or anything like that, he just starts screaming, he cuts me off, he doesn't listen to what I'm saying, right? Um, He is at that point. And then he'll also try to order me or one of his brothers to play the game for him, complete the level. Um, And if the struggle continues, he'll end up throwing the controller down and, and he'll quit playing, but that isn't the end of it, right? As people with PDAers know, you don't just, it doesn't just shut off, right? Um, so the rage that's still present will usually result in him banging. Um, we have a, a, recli- a rocking recliner, um, and he'll start banging it, like rocking it hard enough to bang it against the wall. Um, he'll start hitting, kicking, or throwing things. Um, still, though, trying to get a demand-avoiding kid to stop playing video games and avoid having uh, some of these things happening without issuing a demand is a tricky thing, right? Um, so I try to avoid him playing too much because I don't want these things to happen. Um, sometimes that means you know, laying off one game or the other for a while, Um to avoid the the anger. But, you know, it's, it's it's tricky business. But the solution I came up with, at least for limiting the amount of time, I can't do anything about completion of levels, obviously. But the solution I came up with for the time was to provide him with a couple of times a day to play video games, right? The first one being from 10 to 11.30 in the morning. And since he normally eats lunch around 11.30, this makes for a good way to divert him away, right? To, to close that circle and move to something else in a less um, problematic way. So when the time comes, when it gets close to 11.30, I'll say, you know, I'll ask him what he would like to eat for lunch and he'll tell me and I'll make it and then I'll let him know when it's ready. I'll be like, okay, um, I'm putting your lunch on the table. And then it's not a demand. It's not me telling him to stop. He is saying, okay, and that's him kind of being, he's having that control aspect, right? Because a lot of PDA issues, um, it's that anxiety-driven need to kind of have some sort of control. It's not all about control, but that's one part of it. Because if you are in control, then you can prevent the what-ifs, right? So this just gives him a way, it's, I can present a way to move away from the video game in a non-demand type of way, right? It's that flexibility that comes with parenting a pda um, You know, in that way it keeps the PDA from peaking. The second time that he plays is normally from about 2 to 3.30. And since he normally has an afternoon snack at 3.30, again, he has that buffer to help him switch gears. So I'll say, hey, uh, it's snack time. What can I get you, right? And then I'll set it down. Same basic concept. Um, I know it kind of seems like I'm (laughs) bribing my child with food, and I swear that's not (laughs) the case, but it just, it works. Um, It works in this situation. So, you know, before his noon meal or before his lunch and then before um, his afternoon snack. And I've learned that not, do not by any means let him play video games in the late afternoon or evening because that time of day is very, he's he's very much on uh, on edge, right? His fuse has grown drastically short and he can be set off A lot easier into full rage Um, he will even if someone else is playing a video game at that point in time and they're struggling to complete something that can set him off Um, just seeing someone else struggling so I've learned to sort of keep that entire aspect of life whether him playing video games or someone else to keep that off limits at that time of day so In trying to figure out ways to fill the time, I did what any sensible parent would. I went straight to the internet. (laughs) Um, I did manage to find some ideas for fun activities. um, And I'll link the the pages that I found in the episode description. Um, They were more specifically for, um, like, the search that I, I went through was for autistic children, because obviously um, PDA is going to have a much smaller pool, if really anything outside of the PDA Society or PDA North America's websites. Um, But they are more geared towards autism. But honestly, some of them would work for any kid, um, whether they are neurotypical or neurodivergent. Um, There are, of course, Conditions for how to adapt some of these things to children with autism, but otherwise, it's something that, or autistic children, sorry. Um, But there are ways, you know, the activities in general would kind of work for um, more than just autistic kids, right? So I haven't had the chance to try all of them out yet and give you a, like, my full take on all of them. Plus, there were a lot, so that would have us here a while, but. I'm guaranteeing that there's something in there that will work with most kids. Because, I mean, the other thing, too, is I can try them out and tell you how they worked with my son, but autism is a spectrum, right? And PDA is something that kind of changes and shifts from day to day. And so you never really know if it's going to work with him the next day or if it's something that's going to work with someone else's kid, right? So it's just... Giving a review of it, that tells you how it works with mine, but that's not a guarantee of how it's going to work with yours, right? So there are a lot of crafty things. Um, there are some activities outside of the house, um, you know, going places, doing things. Um, there were some sensory activities. I tried to find a wide variety because we do have a couple of months to fill, right? And here's a fun one. At the end of summer, we're taking our yearly family vacation, um, which I'm sure will yield some interesting tips as well. I've been researching ways to make travel easier on autistic and PDA kiddos, so I'll let you know how that goes when I get there, um, kind of give you um, kind of a real-world implementation of of the tips that I've been looking up. But more than anything, what I've learned is that summer with Declan, just like any other time, involves being flexible. We can go outside for short periods of time, you know, and have a race around the yard or jump on the trampoline. Getting some of that energy out, even if it's only in short bursts, is helpful, it helps him to kind of process some of that because when there's bottled up energy it can feed into different areas right it can lead to frustration it can pique his anxiety it can cause him to get angry and you know lead towards the kinds of things that end up bringing on a meltdown and so getting that out however you know thinking on my feet and having to be flexible and creative that's what it comes down to It's just finding ways that work both with getting that energy out but also take into account his where he's at that day right um taking into account his sensory issues you know how can i find something that will help him to get the energy out so it's not plaguing him and causing him more distress that also kind of meets him where he is, you know, ways that I can help him out. Having a lot of craft ideas available is a good way to help pass the time in our house. At least, um, Declan loves crafts. He loves crafty things. One of the games that he has been playing, um, or two of his like favorite games, are Yoshi's Woolly World, which is a game where everything is knitted or crocheted or, you know, and you use yarn balls. And I was like, I am 100% on board with this game because I have a deep affection for yarn and and things crocheted. Um, My grandmother taught me as a kid, so that's like one of the things that i love to do that's what helps me with my anxiety and so i was like oh it's a game where it's based around yarn let's go i'm here for this um the other game is uh like yoshi's crafty world or something where everything is basically repurposed um items that they've made into crafts so you've got things made out of milk cartons and you've got boxes that have been cut into little cars and containers you've got pipe cleaner flowers i mean it's just it's really cute um but it's based around crafty stuff and he loves crafts in general he will sit and create different things with craft supplies so that's a good way to help pass the time too and, like, as parents of PDAers know, what works one day may not work the next day. So, having that collection of different craft activities is vital. And knowing that some days, crafts aren't gonna happen. Um, it's just the way, the nature of the condition, right? And there are also times when he wants to tell me stories with his toys. Right? He has these little elaborate stories he'll bring out um, most of the time it's Jurassic World stories. And so he'll bring out his collection of dinosaurs and a couple people and he'll act out some scene, right? And there are times whenever he has me step in and act as one of the characters or at least speak for the character. Though he will usually tell me my lines like any good director. But it's these types of things that, you know, being willing to do something one day that you don't do the next day or whatever, um, it's really just about flexibility. But summer is a lot more intense at times. Right, and that's why I say this is this is the relatable type of episode. I mean, yes, there are some tips in here that that I use. Yes, there are links to um, different activities that I found, but more than anything, people out there, those of you out there listening, who also have um, children on the spectrum, whether that is um, you know just. ADHD neurodivergence, whether that is, you know, autistic kids, PDAers, whatever, you understand. And I'm telling I'm here to tell you that I, I understand what you're going through as well. That's part of the community that I really want to build with this podcast and letting people know that yes, there are other people out there going through what you're going through. Because one of the things we know as parents to these kids is that those people who have neurotypical children, when we talk to them about the various different things that happen at home, they always have these tips and these, you know, like, oh, well, it's just parenting, you just need to adjust your parenting, you need to be more authoritative, or whatever other (laughs) list of things that people try to tell you to do, none of it will work, right? We know that. Because we are living through this. And so having other people that can say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah," no, uh, I went through the same thing. Here's what I tried. And coming from the place of someone who's like, yeah, no, totally, my kid is on the spectrum too. And here's what we do. Tips aren't always a bad thing as long as those tips come from a place of understanding, right? So, like... I have a friend whose son is autistic, and she will say, Hey, you know, this is what we do. And I'll be like, Oh, cool, I'll try that. Because for people with kids on the spectrum, people with neurodivergent kids, you know that there's a difference, right? Some of the things that you have to do are going to differ. You can't just use the same approaches to issues that may come up or uh, problematic situations that are used on neurotypical kids, right? And that, I think, is is part of what kind of helps in this situation. Here I am. This is... I have two neurodivergent children, possibly three. There's, uh, you know, my oldest is kind of looking at things and saying, um, you know, I'm a lot like the other two kids. Do I need to get... Uh, you know, should I go in and get checked? And I'm like, you know what? If you want to... Um, Because, you know, a diagnosis can be really helpful in understanding your behaviors and where you're at. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) Almost everyone else is neurodivergent in the house. And so coming from someone who has experience with neurodivergence saying this is what I try and this is how it has played out and this is, you know, why I did it because it helped with this issue or that issue it's a bit more helpful than just oh well you should just be a more authoritative parent right so stay strong out there we will get through summer um I'm not really complaining I love my children it's just I wanted other people to know that yeah that first part of summer is a bit of a transition um it can be a bit Rocky, because, you know, he's struggling, and I'm not, I I know he's struggling, and this is my way of saying, if your kid is also struggling, here's what I'm trying to do in order to help make that struggle less for mine, right, this is how I'm trying to help him, this isn't me saying, oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated, and I can't handle this, this is what I'm trying to do to make my kid shut up, this is me saying, here's how I'm trying to help my son have an easier time. Here's how I'm trying to help diminish his struggle. If it helps you, you know, that's awesome. So until next time, see you later. As always, you can email me with any questions, comments, constructive criticism, or concerns at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on social media. Just search PDA Neurodivergence and the Perpetually Determined Advocate on Facebook or Instagram. And until next time, remember, in a world where you can be anything, be kind.